Hello and welcome once again to Political Profundity Podcast by Modern Times Magazine. John Guzon and Karen Weil. Hello, Karen. Hi. Today, Karen and I are going to be talking about the Donald Trump impeachment fear that's going on right now in regards to Ukraine and other abuses of power. Um, and we're going to talk about several topics on that. It's probably going to be our main focus today. Um, but then we're also going to jump into um, the news in the uh, Democratic presidential race. Um, there's some stuff there with uh, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, having a little heart issue. Um, and also uh, campaign finance uh, reports were released um, and their fundraising uh, numbers. Um, and then we're going to go to back to Hong Kong, which has been kind of a favorite of this podcast and, and just kind of visit uh, very quickly on what's been going on there and then uh, lastly we're just going to dip our toe uh, into the stock market fluctuations um, recently some dips um, you know following uh, last month and earlier in the summer there were some other worries of recession we're going to revisit that again but Karen let's of course as we always do jump in with both feet into um, what's going on with impeachment um, more subpoenas coming out today, finding out that Mike Pompeo was on that phone call to the president of the Ukraine. Um, and and then, you know, all these attacks on the whistleblower seems like Donald Trump um, has been kind of you know, going off the rails. He met with the uh, president of Finland. It seemed like it was just about, uh, you know, kind of dealing with his political issues um, while he was doing the whole thing, uh, attacking Adam Schiff. Um, who is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee for, you know, maybe treason, at least that's what Donald Trump says. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, you know, almost kind of coming home because of uh, Paul Volcker um, holding a position here at Arizona State University. But he's expected to testify um, this week. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of news. Um, but, you know, really just start off, it seems like a real circus atmosphere. Things are really ramping up. And it seems like Trump is you know, obviously he doesn't have a war room. He's handling his own press and his own impeachment issues. It really seems like, um, like you know, the circus is coming to Washington, D.C., and the swamp has gotten swampier. <laughs> well, gee, I guess that would make it that much different from the last <laughs> two and a half years since this clown somehow conned his way into office. Um, I, I think the main difference here is for the first time, Honestly, since Trump technically became president, he really is cornered. Uh, for all their sort of timidity, the Democrats are are moving here and at a lot faster pace than many would have imagined. Um, now, you know, they have been hindered somewhat by no one in this administration cooperating unless it's under, you know, unless it's in secret and they can take their, you know, they take the Fifth Amendment every time, which means they're not really cooperating at all. Right. But, you know, it's just a minor observation today. And I, again, I honestly, I read about what Trump does. I really avoid trying to watch him or listen to him speak as much as possible because, you know, 99% of what he says is just blatant lies. The other 1% is the usual kind of puffery and, and nonsense that he spouts. But just you know, watching him is not a pleasant experience at any level because he has absolutely no human qualities that are appealing. Agreed. 
Um, that aside, today he there was an interesting moment with he, him and the Finnish president, uh, and I'm not going to try to say that man's name because I don't want to <laughs> butcher it. <It's> right. <laughs> the Finnish language being what it is, and with all due respect to it and the people there. Um, he tried to he put his hand on the Finnish leader's thigh, and the Finnish leader kind of, I won't say swatted it away, but he sort of gestured at him as if to say, stop, right now. Yeah. Um, I wish I wasn't here, is kind of like the feeling. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, the man looked like, again, well, where the hell am I, and how can I get out of here? Yeah. And uh, just, it goes back to my question, why any legitimate foreign leader wastes any time meeting with this Cretan because they know nothing productive is going to come out of it. The Trump doesn't have the slightest interest in whatever their concerns are. And that he's just, and he was just there to rave and rant about his, you know, poor little life and it's how it's everyone else's fault but his. Right. Um, ironically, for a man who claims to be a Republican, which Trump isn't, he just knew that that was a party where he would be comfortable and he would have a base to receive the bile that he spews on a regular basis. Yeah, and he would be welcomed sadly, as long as he said a tax yeah, cut. Sadly, right. right. It shows how, how it shows how much the Republican Party has fallen and why it basically needs to be destroyed and to start over again with some decent human beings in charge. But, you know, we won't hold our breath on that, but it, it frankly is the only way out for them. But I, I have to say... Uh, you know, where where the Mueller report failed to make an impact, this latest scandal and latest example of Trump's criminality has, I think, come, it has really hit home with a lot of American voters, because it's pretty obvious what he did. He told the leader of Ukraine, we'll help you, but we want you to meddle in the campaign of my supposed and assumed opponent for next year, which... By the way, there's absolutely no guarantee that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. He has his own, although he has been cleared numerous times in the, when it comes to allegations of wrongdoing in Ukraine. But nevertheless, there's still the issue of his son having worked for a financial institution, which I would just say to any American politician, tell your kid to find another line of work. No matter how well intended it may be, no matter how up and up they are, probably not a good idea to get involved with the financial industry, especially in Russia or in a country that used to be part of Russia. But that aside, what Trump did was just so beyond the pale and, and so blatantly illegal that because the Mueller report was such a complicated matter, and because no one who really had the goods on Trump was going to say anything, it, it made Mueller's job almost impossible. And I think also to some degree, and I, you know, Robert Mueller is a good man, but I hate to say it, I think he failed to truly see fully how much of a danger Trump is and, you know, was and is. And I'm, I'm not sure that he you know, he responded in the way he should have. But again, that was then and this is now. And this is such a clear case and such a violation of the Constitution. The Democrats, you know, for the first time are winning, which <laughs> we all know that's a party that has a bad habit of bungling the message and often, as the cliche goes, snatches defeat from the jaws of victory. But so far, 
they're getting it right. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know a lot could go very wrong with all of this between now and when the impeachment vote actually happens. Mm-hmm. But given Trump's actions in the, say, the last 24 to 48 hours, and, you know, basically now making, I'd say, sort of a threat of violence against, you know, Adam Schiff, the House Intelligence Committee chairman, uh, he's just, he's, like I said, he's painting himself into a far bigger and deeper corner here. And, and because he will listen to no one, and because there is no one in that administration with an ounce of credibility or genuine concern for what this is doing to the United States, that you know, there, there's, there, there's seemingly less and less of a way out for him. Um, you know, Pelosi said today during this press conference that Trump may not recognize how dangerous his statements are against the whistleblower who exposed all this. That, you know, this July phone call, which Trump made, you know, as soon as he could. And I, I suspect Trump did it, John, because he felt emboldened by the way the Mueller report had been gaslit by, mm-hmm. you know, William Barr. Right. And how the Republicans responded to it and how Americans, you know, you could just tell by polls, the attitude is, well, we know this isn't good, but we just don't fully understand what Trump did wrong. So we're a little bit neutral on this. Although there were many Americans who felt like, you know, this just shows again how dirty Trump is. But, you know, they're, they're, they're charging ahead with this, the Democrats are. And, you know, now granted, you know, frankly, they're going to have to put more teeth behind these subpoenas, given Pompeo's refusal to cooperate and other uh, Trump administration members who also you don't seem to give a damn about what their oath of office really means. You know, so it, it, you know, push may come to shove here more. And, and, you know, you see even things that seemed unbelievable even a year ago occurring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it is interesting. You mentioned Volcker. He's going to testify now. Well, what he'll say, do we, I, I don't know if we're going to have a John Dean like moment where that really is the thing that finally starts to do end this whole, you know, horrific experience right. we've all been living through. But, uh, I mean, clearly, again, this, uh, you know, look, the whole Trump's entire tenure has been a disaster. Yeah. It's just that he has a party who protects him, um, some elements of the mainstream media that have not come out firmly against him. But now, you know, those dynamics are shifting, and those elements are not helping Trump. Right, right. So I I think that's where we are, and I, I think you're seeing the Democrats, you know, they understand they have a very short window to act on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they, you know, and, and it's not to say things couldn't go badly in that front, but for now they're, they're on the, they're on the uh, offense and Trump is definitely on the defense and his right. meltdown today, uh, both with the Finnish leader and this other press conference he had, yeah, it's, it's not helping. Yeah. And you know, it, it, you know, the facts of the, of, of, of the uh, phone call, which, which, which Donald Trump keeps calling perfect were like you sedated um you know uh, they were talking about regular things we don't know really though um you know when he was talking about they're going to buy the javelin missiles and then he says well you know we, we, we want us we want you to do us a favor though um you know Schiff is taking heat for paraphrasing um probably rightly so um in that in that moment um but at the same time that's the only thing they have um is trying to say that Schiff didn't um, identify it correctly, but by watching it, it was clear to me that 
He wasn't saying the president said that. He was trying to express what the aim was. And, and, and that mm-hmm. seemed clear um, at the time. It's obviously the only talking point that the Republicans have because they can't really defend um, what happened um, or what he said directly. They have to now just jump on on Schiff's paraphrasing. That's number one, the point I want to make. Um, you know, secondly, uh, Stephen Miller on Fox News this weekend, Lindsey Graham on uh, CBS, I believe, and Kevin McCarthy on NBC, all were um, shameful. Um, you know, McCarthy didn't even know, you know, he, he accused him from, you know, uh, of, of adding though, um, even though that's what was said. Um, uh, Graham just talking about it's hearsay. We're not going to impeach a president on hearsay under my watch. Um, <laughs> um, and Stephen Miller that's just really trying funny. to bring up John Durham um, and the investigation of, on the investigators and the Mueller probe. Um, uh, you know, it there is nothing that they can defend because what really matters here is if there is an ability to find out that aid was held up um, in order to see whether they actually tried to investigate Joe and or Hunter Biden, um, then it's pretty clear that it was an abuse of power that nobody can defend. And that's really the only, I think, bit of evidence out there that is, 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 is really needs to be questioned. The rest of it is, is kind of, uh, you know, more Washington, um, uh, you know, spin. Um, everything is spinning around that fact, um, just just that he was pressuring. I mean, you know, Trump keeps saying, well, the Ukrainian president says he wasn't pressured. Well, maybe he said, I'm not pressured because I'm not going to do what you tell me to do no matter what. Um, he's not specifying whether he didn't, he felt like Trump pressured him or not or tried to pressure him. He just said, I didn't feel pressured because he's probably saying, I'm a independent president. I don't have to feel pressured to do this. I'm not going to do it whether he wants me to or not. Whether he's going to hold up aid, there's aid coming from Europe, there's aid coming from other places. I don't have to worry about you telling me I have to do this. And, and you know, he didn't state that. And, you know, he's a former stand-up comedian who kind of ran a joke presidency who has seemingly done a, 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 a better job than Trump has done in his own country. And, you know, at least, at least so far. Um, so, you know, you have to give it where it's due. And, and I really think that that's the crux of this whole argument is... If you can find out that he held up that money because he wanted the investigation to be started, and that was his leverage, um, I don't even think the Republicans can defend that, nor will they. Um, and it'll be over if they can find that people will literally say that uh, publicly. And then, then you know, Trump's time in office is over. Um, the other thing is, you know, there's all this talk about you know Hunter Biden and Burisma, which is really a a petroleum exploration company, um, mm-hmm. you know, yes. yeah, again, you know, is it the right thing? Probably not. Um, it's it's the meritocracy that we live in, however. Even Bo Biden, Hunter Biden, they all capitalize on the fact that their father was who he was. And and everyone in America yeah, who's who goes to Yale or becomes president or vice president for to a certain level, even the, even the Obama children, they're going to have more um, – doors open to them in life because of their last name. Whether they want to capitalize on it or not, that's up to them. But there is a meritocracy in this country, and we know it exists. And we can have that greater argument. Um, you know, but Hunter Biden, um, you know, drug abuse, um, you know, he's been, he got thrown out of Naval Reserve for cocaine. Um, you know, he is who he is. Um, he took that $50,000 a month job at Burisma, 
you know, I, I you know I don't know who would have probably turned it down um, for whatever reason. Um, you know, fifty thousand dollars a month is a lot of money. Um, I think a lot of people in this country feel lucky to make fifty thousand dollars in a year. Um, so you know, I you know, I don't know you know how you can how we can you know kind of deal with that situation. Yeah, you know, would you try to you know tell people not to do that? But fifty thousand dollars a month is a lot of money, and and. When, when, when it becomes their own, not their, their rich dads or moms or whatever, um, you know, you jump at those things and, you know, right or wrong, you know, we're guided by those, those types of morals and principles in, in modern America. Um, you know, money talks, bullshit walks, as they say. Um, and you know, it's there. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really understand, you know, some of those, you know, you know, discussions. I know that it probably didn't look good for Joe Biden, um, you know, and, and, and who knows? We know, you know, the other bit of it is that there was pressure being placed from the West. Biden just happened to, Joe Biden just happened to be the representative that was sent by the West, by all of the countries that used to be aligned in order to try to get the gentleman gone, who was the prosecutor at the time. We know that there was a Ukrainian president who was a stooge of the Russians who got thrown out by his own people. And now that there's Ukrainians for Ukraine running that country. And and those are the facts. Uh, the, the last prosecutor was the, still part of the sole stooge environment of Russia. Um, and, and, and the other bit that's, that is continually getting lost here is the the idea that during that conversation the transcript or the memorandum of the of the conversation that was released um, talked about um, the whole crowd strike um, uh, uh, coordination in Ukraine and how it really wasn't the Russian government that hacked the DNC it was um, these you know democratic operatives in order to make like a, a you know a counterintelligence campaign um, which makes no sense on the on the face of it. Um, and also that Mueller, um, you know, says they know what's going on and probably the NSA and the NSC who, who probably intercept most community, you know, computer um, um, uh, communications uh, and they can know, they know that the Russians did it. Um, they have indicted people. We'll never get them um, uh, under arrest because they'll never go to a, a country that has extradition treaty. They'll stay in Russia, which, again, we can't extradite people from. We don't have an agreement with them. Um but those are the people that have been identified. That's in the other thing that Trump is trying to do in the Ukraine call, which then also goes to what Barr is doing around the world, trying to subvert those results. Um, and, and, you know, that's where Barr comes in, I think, to a certain level from the call. Some people might think it's separate, but at the same time, it's not. It's part of this overarching campaign um, and abusing power in order to, to have political ends because any sort of... Um, I guess, uh, disengagement to the Mueller report or uh, acknowledgement that it was really the Russians that hacked the DNC in 2016. That's a political win for Trump. And so anything that Barr is doing on those levels is almost a, a political task. And, and uh, it's because he's not letting his people do it. He's personally doing this investigation with, um, uh, you know, the gentleman from Connecticut, the attorney general whose name escapes me at the moment, who's supposedly spearheading this investigation. Um, anyway, those are my ideas on the facts and what's going on. You know, again, Trump going crazy um, is what it is. But again, if we find out that the funds were withheld from Ukraine in order to start the investigation, game over. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And I, I say, interestingly enough, you've heard from 
the former U.S. senator from your state, Jeff Flake, who I think sadly lived up to his last name in more ways than one um, when he was yeah, in agreed. office. Agreed. I wish he would show he the is, principles he's calling on everyone else to do and by staying in office. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't have much use for Jeff Flake. I think he's a hypocrite. But nonetheless, I, I, I suspect he's probably right when he has said that there'd be about 35 GOP senators who would vote to convict and remove Trump if they could do it secretly, which is still a very chicken crap thing to say and do. Uh, because chicken again, crap. They're so I like terrified. that, Karen. Chicken crap. <laughs> well, that, that's what it is to me. Um, and of course, there are going to be senators, though, next year who we know are very vulnerable in terms of their reelection bids, especially Susan Collins of Maine and Cory Gardner of Colorado, and maybe even John Cornyn of Texas. Laugh at me if you will, but uh, or Joni Ernst of Iowa or Tom Tillis of North Carolina. The or GOP Martha McSally in Arizona. Sorry, I said we're Martha McSally in Arizona. Uh, yes, forget. Please excuse me for leaving her out. We we talked about McSally many times. Again, somebody who ended up losing in Arizona last year and then became a senator. You know, you never thought. Yeah, but became <laughs> a senator anyway. Uh, she fills the seat of the late John McCain. Um, but, you know, these are guys who I have a very funny feeling if push comes to shove next year, if there is a trial in the Senate or even this year, they may not be that comfortable with voting to let Trump get off scot-free. So, because they're going to have to go back home to voters in states where Trump's approval ratings are either borderline now or in the toilet, and they're not going anywhere so that it's just going to be amusing to watch this. And, and they frankly have no one but themselves to blame, especially people like Collins and Gardner, who really have just, I think, completely been out of step with where most of their constituents are. Um, so, you know, it, this is, you know, we're going to see some strange, uh, you know, just some very strange developments coming from this. And a party for all its supposed lockstep uh, mentality may not be there for Trump in the way he thinks. Um, and another thing you, I just want to mention, because you talked about Hunter Biden, you know, I'm fine with that being investigated. But you know what? There damn well better be one of Trump's three oldest children's and their extraordinary uh, children. Excuse me. Children. <laughs> children. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> we have to laugh about something. And my, you know, bad, sense, you know, grammar apparently is that that's the, you know, the, the good thing to laugh about. Um, but his three oldest kids and one son-in-law who just whose deep business dealings around the world since Trump was installed have been questionable at best. So bring it all on. And, you know, oh, we'll yeah. see who comes out of that clean. Okay. So what do you think about, uh, you know, there's been some discussion about um, just the fact of Trump's attacks on the whistleblower or that he's trying to find out who this person is, that if he actually manages to do it, um, even that is impeachable. Right. I mean, you, you come today being as usual. It just shows how incredibly stupid and tone deaf this man is. You know, he dismissed concerns about wanting to, you know, his wanting to know who this person is. And instead of having anything thoughtful to say, because Donald Trump is not capable of that, you know, he said, I don't care. Well, you know, what he's doing is illegal, so he should care. And it's, I, I find it interesting that Chuck Grassley, the Republican senator from Iowa, who right. certainly has been one of these sort of spineless GOPers when it comes to really standing up to Trump, yeah. even he has said that the whistleblower deserves to be heard and protected. 
And now, you know, Presley, who's, I, you know, frankly, I think this is going to be his last term, given his age and everything else. And he just got reelected about three years ago. So he's got nothing to worry about. So he figures he can go ahead and somewhat stand up to Trump now and say, you know. Yeah, actually find his it's, principles it's, it's again. Past. Right. I mean, yeah, show some actual principles and decency. And I suspect he may not be alone, even on the Republican side. Now, I'm not talking about Lindsey Graham or uh, Tom Cotton or some of these people who clearly happy being, are happy being streetwalkers for Trump because they're scared to death again of losing their primaries. Wow. But I, I, I well, sorry, but that's no, no, what it no. sure looks like to me. No, streetwalkers um, for Trump. That sounds like a great SNL skit. <laughs> Why not? You know, we're headed towards that. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, I, I, obviously we, you know, there's there have been some reports that this whistleblower was a CIA agent. Um, we, you know, we don't know, and nor should we know, because this person has put everything on the line by, you know, even revealing this much. So you know, I certainly hope that there will be elements in Congress we know Democrats will, and, and maybe a few Republicans will, like Grassley, and credit to him if he follows through. Uh, you know, do everything they can to protect, predict, protect, excuse me, this person's identity, um, because so much is at stake. And if we were dealing with a normal human being in in the office of the presidency, probably probably there wouldn't be as much to worry about. But because Donald Trump is what he is, you know, you know there, there's every reason on earth to try to protect this person's identity because you simply cannot trust anyone in the executive branch to do the right thing. Yeah, very, you know, the, very interesting in what was going on with the whistleblower. We, we'll see what happens when um, he or she is supposed to be testifying. Um, there's been some right. suggestions I've seen Um on cable news and also in uh, online, um, talking about how to even protect their identity at that point in time because everyone's going to want to find out who they are. Um, you know, to to run basically, you know, the secret behind a curtain with a you know, a, a voice encoder or something like that. Um, and you know, you run ten people in there, no one knows exactly who it is, um, and they all sit around this person. I mean, it, it, just testifying is going to be difficult. Um, because it's going to get out there. Now, at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me in, 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 in within five to ten years, you know, this person writes a book. But for right now, they're still in civil service, and they probably want to stay in their position, and who knows who it is. Um, I, I, I think it probably would have been very difficult for people to think that Deep Throat during Watergate was um, the deputy FBI director. Um, and so right now, we don't know how high it it possibly could be. Um, the, you know, the person who actually did this, but it obviously, it doesn't seem like it's just some, some CIA analyst sitting in an, in an office in, uh, in Virginia, um, that it probably was somebody who, who regularly goes to the white house. Um, and the whole treason idea, ludicrous, um, just another thing for Trump to throw around. Um, I don't know, uh, Karen, are you ready to kind of move on? I just want to talk about the, Vol- yes. the whole Volcker thing. Um, just one more time. Yes. Um, you know, it was really kind of interesting because, you know, my, uh, uh, I guess the second uh, student newspaper I worked for when I was in college was the state press at Arizona State University. And it was a student journalist who worked, who works there. Um, he was the one who broke the news on Volcker, um, because, you know, Volcker is, um, 
the executive director of the McCain Institute, um, which is based at Arizona State University. So somehow along the way, whether that's where the resignation was coming from, because he's basically was an unpaid um, uh, Ukraine envoy. Um, and so he, he really worked at the McCain Institute. Um, and so, you know, there is that tie to McCain, obviously, um, Cindy and some of those others, you know, uh, a lot of that stuff still kind of is controlled by them, although it's, it's associated with the university, but that's for a lot of different gravitas on both ends. Um, but he was the one that broke the story because, again, um, he's still the executive director of the McCain Institute. Um, so somehow along the line, he got that story. Um, he hasn't really said what his sources were, um, but it was very interesting on, on, I think it was on Sunday to hear, you know, that a student journalist uh, broke that story. Um, and that, you know, there is that tie here to Phoenix and to, and to Arizona <clears throat> and John McCain. Um, but the other interesting part I think I, we, you know, we saw about it is that he's, he's, he's very quickly agreed and he's going to be testifying, um, number one. And, and then there was an article that was in Mediate. Um, and again, you know, you have to kind of deal with the source, um, not the New York Times, not the Washington Post, not a newspaper of record. Although even in my hometown here in Phoenix, um, AZ Central has become just as bad as Yahoo News to certain levels. They write stories based on tweets. Um, just to get the clicks, mm-hmm. I guess, um, the reporting has kind of gone downhill there. Um, so apologies to all of you at AZ Central and Arizona Republic who might be listening, but um, it's not the paper that it used to be, um, not the news of record that it used to be. Anyway, um, to di- stop diverging on that track, but Mediaite said that, that, that Volcker was being set up to be the scapegoat by Pompeo and Giuliani um, and, 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 you know, kind of justifying that he was okaying all this stuff for Giuliani to do. And that's when Volcker did his about face and said, I quit. I'm going to okay. I'm going to testify first. Um, so, you know, it's it's real, you know, setting up that, that testimony and what we're going to end up hearing about it. Who knows what ends up going behind closed doors in which we never hear about. Um, but you got to hope you, and you have to think that that, that Schiff and others want to really kind of make this 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 be known. And I would think that no matter what he testifies about, it's not going to look good for Trump because of what happened and that the way it does seem like they tried to set him up to be the scapegoat. And now here it is. He's going to testify and say what he really thinks or, or be the first real insider to talk about what Giuliani was doing in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I'm I think it just goes to show regarding the state press breaking this on on Volcker. You know, great journalism can come from anywhere. Doesn't have to be, you know, the elite, quote unquote. I, I don't say that in a in a you know mocking or sarcastic way. A media. It can come from smaller, uh, you know, publications or websites where you have genuinely, you know well-trained and sincere people yeah. on the staff. And sometimes um, it's even easier because my assumption is it was intern student to student. So somebody who worked at the McCain Institute told them what was going on. And so he got it. And whereas somebody who works for the post wouldn't maybe even talk to that person that they wouldn't know how to get in touch with each other. So I, I just wanted to throw that in, but because th- that's my notion, you know, working at the state press, when you're a student journalist like that, you talk to the other students who are working there, and that's usually where you get most of your info from. Right. It, it's interesting, and I this is some years back, I think at least now maybe 10, and I can't remember 
the name of it. it was a college or actually it was a high school newspaper in the San Francisco Bay Area, which exposed this huge trafficking, you know, scene that was happening with with girls primarily from South Asia who had been brought over to work for families and basically treated as slaves. And, you know, again, this high school newspaper broke this major story. And and we saw last year, um, because of a terrible thing that happened at its newspaper, the Capital Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland, win many awards for just incredible reporting under the most horrific circumstances you could imagine, i.e. when some lunatic came in and killed five journalists who were working there that day. Right. Um, so, again, great journalism can come from anywhere. I, it, you know, it just, you know, it just depends the situation. And I, I mean, this is a major, major achievement for the state press and, and good, good for them. Um, I, I, you know, the reporter of this, I think is, it's Andrew Howard is, is his name. I think he's got a very bright future ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I won't repeat, you know, the scoop that I broke that, uh, then, um, they turned on me for when I was at the state press, but, uh, Luckily, uh, luckily, they have a different set of, of, of folks there today, but it's also a different kind of story. Um, anyway, we won't rehash my uh, college experience. Anyway. Um, uh, way to go, John. <laughs> what happens with um, or uh, what happens with Volker is going to be interesting, though, no doubt. I, 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 I am very um, uh, interested to, to hear his testimony. Um, I think it's going to really be the, the topic of discussion uh, for for the rest of this week um, and probably going into the weekend. Um, just, you know, again, the first insider to really talk about what Giuliani was doing and going on the record to do so, because obviously he's got nothing to hide at this point and he's going to be protected by um, the McCain's um, because obviously he's the executive director of the McCain Institute. Um, Karen, have we had our fill of impeachment today? Shall we move on to uh, the democratic presidential race? At least quickly, so. um, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. Not much has been happening um, so far, but um, you know, the big news I think that that hit um, was that Bernie Sanders um, ended up getting some stents put in um, mm-hmm. into his heart, um, a little coronary uh, artery disease. Um, you know, for a seventy-eight-year-old guy, right? Isn't he? You know, seventy-eight is is right, right? Um, and um, but what does it do? Uh, Politically, um, we know and we've talked about it here that, uh, you know, Warren and Sanders are really kind of a lot, the you know, uh, as far as the issues go, um, they share a lot of the same positions, um, you know, the, the and, 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 you know, now that it kind of looks like, you know, you have that, there's always that worry, that presidential worry, is he going to be able to survive his four years? Um, obviously, he'd be 82, even after his first term, um, the oldest president in history. Um you know, does this do anything to him politically, do you think? And, you know, especially because, you know, maybe that's why Warren has been surging anyway, is that, you know, people that are on that kind of angle and, and support those those policies are saying, you know, Elizabeth Warren's got a lot of energy. She's young and, 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 and she can take this flag moving forward. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, we know that Donald Trump is seriously mentally and physically unwell. Okay. He lies about his weight. God knows what else is going on with him. Um, so, and he's what now I don't, I forget his age. He's what? 73, 74 now. Yeah, I think it's 73. I, 
73. I mean, he looks, frankly, even way older than that. Um, How can you tell through all the orange? Well, yeah, he just looks like shit. There's no other polite way to say it. The man is ugly, and he's seriously overweight. That's the LED lights. Sorry. Those are the the least of his problems. Look, Bernie Sanders, I, you know, again, I wish him only a speedy recovery and many happy, healthy years on Earth. Sure. But frankly, uh, you know, you've just got to wonder right now if maybe either his wife Jane or or campaign staffers or closer friends aren't maybe coming to him and saying, maybe this just isn't, this isn't meant to be for you. And perhaps you might think about leaving the race. Uh, And, you know, we had an example of a president who was 70 when he took office in 1981, Ronald Reagan. Now we know, despite the very successful two terms he had, which did not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, for ignoring the scandals and some of the tragedies of it. But certainly one of those tragedies, as we know now, is that former President Reagan was starting to show serious signs of Alzheimer's mm-hmm. even before his second term. And he, he hit it a little better, and I think the people around him hit it better. But, you know, there's an expression that, you know, George, H., George H.W. Bush was president a lot longer than any of us thought. Um, you know, because obviously Ronald Reagan... Not in full control of his faculties. And then, as we know, he was 25 years ago around this time. Actually, it was around November because I remember reading about it and being shocked. Although, you know, now I realize how naive that was on my part uh, when Reagan announced, indeed, he'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Uh, And then 10 years later, we lost him. So I, I think we've all seen the concern we have when somebody... Even if they may be in the best of health at age 70, that they're not, you know, that doesn't make them invincible, especially the older they get. I just remember all the health rumors about Hillary Clinton, that when she stumbled one time and I think had to leave a, a September 11th memorial event early because she wasn't feeling well. Oh, she's dying. She has Parkinson's. She has this. She has that. Trump himself, of all people, you know, went around spreading these kinds of, of rumors. Now, to the best of my knowledge, Mrs. Clinton seems alive and well. Uh, she's been in events and, and really been you know, speaking out on Trump pretty forcefully, too. So, but, you know, we know what rumors can, can start and mean. Um, and, of course, you know, we've all said that, that Trump is obviously not well. Well, I'm sorry, but from the looks of him and the way he acts, there's, there's a very good reason to believe that. This is a guy who was at a European gathering two years ago and needed a golf cart to get around. He couldn't even walk with fellow leaders. And so, I, you know, I, I'm just, I, I think there's, there's a lot of reasons to be very worried when somebody is hitting 70 and they want to be seeking, you know, the most powerful job on earth, although Trump has done a whole lot to diminish that. So I, you know, again, I wish Senator Sanders well, but, you know, I I really hope that he and his family take time to think about whether he wants to stay in this race. If he decides to, fine. You know, and and many people get stents and they do very well for many years to come. I have no doubt that Senator Sanders will be in that same boat. Right. But still, I, I think it's after Reagan and after just Trump. 
especially, I, I think a lot of Americans want somebody younger so, who, who so you can do think, have though, the ability will, to respond well. And so you do think it, it, it will impact him moving forward um, in, in the eyes of the electorate? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think there's been a lot of speculation today. And again, it's only speculation uh, just about whether or not the senator can handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, again, nothing personal against Bernie Sanders. He's a tough guy and I think a decent man, although I have often said I think the GOP actually really wanted him to be the nominee in 2016, not Hillary Clinton, um, which I know goes against complete utter conventional wisdom. Um, but nevertheless, I just, I, I just hope the senator and, and his people think about this, yeah. because it, it's just, in, you know, we're still a long way to November 2020. Trump may not even be around. We hope, in terms of he won't be in in the presidency anymore, and Mike Pence will be the run running, or maybe he, even he may not want to do this, right. and we'll have another GOP nominee who might just be strong enough to win this right sure. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Mitt, uh, yeah, Mitt Romney um, is, seems like he's positioning himself for that. I think we talked about it last week. Um, let's go yeah. a little bit to so, um, to fundraising, though, too, um, because you know, as much as you know, as 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 weak, I think that that the health scare makes Bernie moving forward. He's still, you know, so far amongst those who have announced how much they raised in the third quarter, which Elizabeth Warren isn't one of those. Um, and and so that's also got to make you wonder where she is fundraising wise. Um, but uh, Bernie raised twenty five million dollars again in the third quarter, um, outpacing everyone who's announced so far. Um, um, just leading Buttigieg by, you know, about $6 million. Um, But that's substantial. Um, and he would, ha- he would still have a lot of influence to, to make in this race because you assume that he would then turn that money, um, you know, to helping other candidates at some point in time. Um, you know, obviously he could roll it into a, uh, a pack or do something else um, if he'd like. But, um, you know, he's obviously been a, a great fundraiser. Um, so where do we see, uh, the democratic candidates? Yang raised eight, uh, 10 million. Uh, Kamala Harris was at 11. Uh, Cory Booker actually brought in a couple million. Um, you know, the, the, those are still the players. Um, you know, Yang's also got his own, his own funding. Um, you know, but you know, you have to still say it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, where the money is. It's still, I mean, Harris still had 10 million in cash before she raised 11, being very consistent, um, she, I think she did 12 in the first quarter, uh, 10 in the second, um, and then 11 mm-hmm. here in the third. Um, so she's been the most consistent fundraiser, just kind of sticking around 10 to 12 million every time, waiting, 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 waiting. Um, you know, but they're still there. So, you know, we still say, uh, you know, if Sanders drops out, does this, this you know, and, you know, I, I, I do want to hear your comments on the fundraising, but, you know, kind of further to it, does it still – does it maybe play out that we still are looking at a, you know, if Sanders goes away, are we talking about a Warren Harris Buttigieg? Well, they'll, they'll certainly, they'll become the front runners. Um, I, I certainly think Warren has, is, is definitely the front runner. And obviously still Joe I Biden. Harrison, Sorry, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have left him out there. Well, but he's obviously we the front runner. shouldn't ignore Joe, <laughs> you know, and, but right now, given the entire scandal, which, for the record, let us say again, there's absolutely no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong, or for that matter, his son. Right. But, you know, but again, Donald Trump has lied and spewed endlessly to sort of put that kernel out there. But 
I, you know, I, I, but make no question, make no mistake. I think this has hurt Biden, fair or not, but it has, and that's why, you know, you've seen the sort of the attention in the last few weeks gravitate towards Warren Sanders, Harris to a lesser degree, Buttigieg, um, you know, and and some of the other candidates, but. I, you know, look, Sanders has been in the public eye now as a major contender for the last three and a half, four years. Um, with this health scare, if that changes what a lot of big money people think and do, I, you know, I won't be surprised. Um, given that Sanders' whole political belief system, I mean, I don't think Wall Street's banging down any doors to give them a bunch of money anyway, and they're not doing it with with Elizabeth Warren either. You've kind of heard and seen stories about how hostile Wall Street is in general towards these two. Um, and, you know, but I, you know, I don't think they're going to be any friendlier to Kamala Harris or Cory Booker or Buttigieg. None of them have been saying, yeah, let's go back to the kind of horrific financial setup that led to the 2008 recession. Right. They've all in some form or another said it's time for reforms we still want, you know, we still want a capitalist system, but we've all seen that we've, you know, we just, we do not want a repeat of 2008. And unfortunately, because of Trump's blatant incompetency, uh, you know, we're headed towards that anyway, right, right, unless right. something truly miraculous happens. I'm sorry to say that. Yeah, Nobody yeah. wants another recession. But so I, I, I think for now, I, I still feel that he and Biden will continue being the big, you know, they'll, they'll still be the number one for top tide, I think, really, for fundraising. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I do think to some degree Biden, you know, he's he has been damaged by this a little bit. And you know, he may not may not be able to bounce back that quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, if if. Theoretically, we just don't know what Sanders is going to do. He may just, you know, stand for the long haul here. Yeah, but if he does drop away. out, um, you know, that's where the money, you know, the money goes to one of the three people you previously named, and that yeah. being, you know, Warren, Harris, uh, you know, or Buttigieg. Booker already is kind of one of Wall Street's favorite people, and I'm not maligning him for that. He's from New Jersey. New Jersey is a huge, has a huge financial industry. That's only natural. Um, so yeah, I just think the next few days, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be critical in, in terms of what happens with fundraising. Um, even though, again, we're still a long way from 2020 and whoever may be the nominee on both sides of the aisle, uh, it, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot can happen. But it, it it's just definitely interesting to me that supposedly from being a flaming communist, and I, I will also say a lot of these are small donations to Sanders' mm -hmm. campaign mm -hmm. and others, right. which is something Barack Obama kind of perfected with his 2008 run, you know, by getting money from the average Americans rather than going to Wall Street all the time. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, for a hundred million here and there. Yeah. Uh, so and, you know, I mean, and to speak to your point, you know. I think the idea is that uh, we have to, you know, most Americans, I think, understand that uh, a completely free market doesn't work um, unrestrained. There has to be some sort of government uh, influence. Um, and then, you know, the really arguments, the political arguments, at least until this point in time, have always just been what level that should be. And um, 
Um, you know, I think we know that what happened in the banking industry, which caused the, uh, um, you know, 2007-2008 recession, showed that it went too open and allowed them to be too unrestrained. Um, and so, again, that debate should continue, and I think people should understand what it actually is. Um, that, you know, it's not just complete laissez-faire. You know, it has to be, there has to be some sort of government interference. Otherwise, we don't, um, you know, have a Federal Reserve. Um, you know, five, you know, we got about five minutes left. Um, you know, if it's okay, can we just quickly run into Hong Kong here and, or, sure. or, or just discuss, you know, Hong Kong really quick and then, uh, you know, kind of wrap up with the stock market. But again, um, you know, about five minutes, uh, total for both of these, um, Hong Kong, I, you know, I just want to keep, you know, talking about it because, you know, it's, it's, you know, direct uh, confrontation with the Chinese government, um, really kind of showing that they're, um, you know, reneging on their word. Um, things are escalating there. Now, finally, the first person was shot. He had a journalist, um, um, really had some, some severe eye damage from a rubber bullet. Um, you know, things are, are starting to really get worrisome. You know, some people say it's just going to be solved because China doesn't want to show how, how dictatorial they are, but Either way, it, it does look like, you know, we're, you know, the world is at the edge of the precipice here in Hong Kong. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And um, it would be nice to have somebody in the White House who, who, who cared just as much um, as, 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 as most people do, I think, that actually have a chance to, to, to pay attention to the news. Um, I'll just, you know, then now give you, to, you know, give you the floor to kind of give your, your take on what's going on in Hong Kong. Oh, I mean, we've seen for the last few months, the people of Hong Kong do not want to submit to full Chinese rule. Right. And they have pushed back and pushed back and protested. Well, and, and you know, uh, but again, like I said, no, they're reneging on the on the uh, agreement for uh, handing over from uh, uh, the British. Right. And, you know, but and this, I mean, frankly, when... Britain handed Hong Kong over to China 22 years ago. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people knew that the freedoms that Hong Kong residents had had were going to be curtailed in some form or another. You're dealing with a country, even though China's no longer communist. I mean, but it is a totalitarian state. It makes money. That's basically what, you know, in terms of China's, you know, government and philosophy is. Right. We oppress people, but hey, we're still getting billions and trillions from everybody and their mother all around the world because practically everything is made now in our country. Um, and, and this is why I just can I if I can go off here real quick. This idea that people, you know, were you know purporting twenty years ago that China was going to evolve into a democratic country because of a free market. No, absolutely not. If, if anything, China's income, you know, gains, and it's, you know, being now the number two economy in the world gives it the kind of power, sadly, to continue its repressive ways. Because there's no reason, there's no economic pressure on it to reform. Yeah, and unlike the quality the of Soviet life. Union in the late 80s. Right. And, um, and, 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 and the quality I, of life of their people is increasing, so they're, they're less apt to revolt. Yes, I mean, unfortunately, and and again, you 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 want you know, I'm I'm happy the Chinese people are doing better economically. What is sad is that they're willing to trade that for living in a police state, more or less. I mean, it's foreign to people like you and me. Um, and like you know, look, China had they had decades under communism, and it, it is the same to me with 
Russia under decades of communism, expecting people suddenly to adapt to democracy and the things that both the good and the bad that come with that, I think for both the U.S. and other Western European observers, I think they were sadly naive when it came to the, you know, what was going to happen with both these major nations. Um, and, I, you know, you can only, even though I, I, it is very troubling to see now what's happening in Hong Kong and how China is really starting to respond. But, uh, you know, John, uh, you can't help but root for the people of Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, they are up against Goliath here. Whether they're going to prevail, I don't know. But I think it just shows that the human spirit and the, the unwillingness to, you know, just submit and take it when you've known freedom. I mean, that's why we've seen since Trump got in office the, I know this word is so tired now, the resistance. Mm-hmm. Many people fighting back and unwilling to live with this monster. Right. And right. I, I, I just think, but I will say this, I think for the Chinese government, if it responds too forcefully, there will be a backlash there in terms of how the rest of the world, not our country, sadly, because of Trump, but how the rest of the democratic world does respond. So, I, I, you know, you've got to wonder if some of the Chinese leaders aren't thinking about that at the same time. And perhaps maybe in the long run, they're going to relent a little bit with Hong Kong. I, I certainly hope that's the case. Well, Karen, uh, we did run out of time, so we will talk about maybe the stock market next time. And I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast, as always. Well, thank you. Sorry if I talk too long on certain things, but um, I really appreciate you giving me this forum, and I appreciate our listeners so very much. But again, Karen, thanks again for everything, uh, for the podcast today. Really appreciated speaking with you. Um, and again, of course, we'll get to the stock market next week, and hopefully everything's looking rosy. Um, but uh, I hope so. I really do. For everyone else, um, we'll talk at you next time. Thanks again, Karen. Thank you. Bye-bye.